Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. living in unusual, unusual times, are we not? How many people realize that it is a society and it's a world that is kind of a little bit messed up, priorities aren't correct, and um, the problem is if you disagree with somebody now, then I am a bigot and I hate you, and it's like, no, no, we can still have disagreements, we can still not see eye to eye and be friends, Right? And so, like, we're living in a time where we want material prosperity is happening, but moral poverty is happening. We, we uh, look after um, animals. So I was driving here and was driving down one of the streets, and two squirrels went across the road. One was going a little slower than the other, um, and I came to a stop. And I let the squirrel make up its mind, and he booked it back. And so he, he backtracked, and then I drove on, and my kids were like, what were you doing? I'm like, oh, there's two squirrels. So I... And Miles, right away, the, the rule keeper, are you allowed to stop? And I'm like, if it was a busy road and there was traffic, I wouldn't have stopped. And then my daughter, who's the nature person, oh, Daddy, I love all of nature. <laughs> I'm like, sweet, I wouldn't try to hit it, but I just wouldn't stop. It can make up its own decision. She didn't like that answer. But we live in a society where we care more about squirrels or we care more about animals than we do babies. Right? Like... Don't, everybody has their belief systems, but I don't believe that my dog's life, and I love my dog, I don't believe my dog's life is more valuable than a child's life. Some of you may be like, oh, I love animals. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to hurt my dog. Love my dog. She's spoiled rotten. I don't, she doesn't have like her own clothes and all that kind of stuff. She doesn't have a wardrobe, um, but I love my dog. And, but this is the society we live in. We will... We will argue about saving an animal, which I don't think any animal should be extinct. Any animal's lover in the room, hear my heart. I love animals. But I don't think they trump a human being's life. That's why God said we actually have dominion over the earth. But I'm just trying to say, like, today, this is the world we live in. Kill a baby right up to, in some places, basically fully alive. But don't touch an animal. That's messed up to me. And this is the society we live in. But now if I say that, if I disagree with people, there's going to be people who think I'm a bigot and I'm ignorant and that I just am hateful. No, we just disagree. I have many fan- friends of mine that are Leaf fans. We disagree. And I accept their lack of intelligence. I'm okay with it. Don't worry, my team is horrible. We're like in last place. I don't worry. I, but I haven't made a cheap shot in a long time. And so it was coming sooner or later. But I do confess, like my team is like awful. So, but it doesn't mean I still can't have fun. Man, you guys were more sensitive than the first service. I guess all the Leaf fans slept in. It's like. But this is the like this is the society we live in. So I can joke with these people, but we're still friends. I think <laughs> I'm still friends. 
But this is a society we live in that we can't disagree on something. The moment we disagree, then we must hate each other. It's so messed up. I believe that we should be able to disagree, but we have to do it in love. We have to be able to have conversations in love. And this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place of love. Because I think everybody would agree with the statement that we need our nation healed. Our nation needs a healing. It needs a cleansing. But the problem is is this. We expect them to do it before we do it. We're the church. We show Christ's love so they actually understand it. If we're not doing it, then they, can't, uh, they don't understand it. So I can disagree with somebody on any topic, and I have, but when I do it in love, it's received. If my response is, hey, what do you believe in this? Oh, you're going to burn in hell. That's not really loving. It may be facts, but it doesn't mean it's loving. We have to understand, Stanley Stanley did a great message one time called, When Gracie Meets Truthy. It's a great message. And he talks about when the lady was caught in adultery. Truth, stone her. No questions. The only reason they were coming to Jesus about it was because they wanted to catch him. Truth, she's stoned to death. That's it. Jesus, what you need to understand is when he spoke those words, those who without sin cast the first stone, it was life-changing for everybody. The disciples would have even been like, whoa. It was brand new thought process. We talk about it and we're like, oh yeah, I know that scripture verse. No, life-changing. In the moment, so radical. So radical. That's why the old man walked away first. Because they were like, oh, I didn't really think about that. I'm out of here. Right? Like, this is the radical expression that he made. So now we need to express grace and truth. We need to express grace and love. If you can say whatever you want, but the Bible's very clear. Jesus says himself, he will know we are his disciples by the way we love one another. Paul tells us, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, you can heal, you can do all these things. But if you don't have love, you are a clanging symbol. I guarantee you that if I stood up here right now and just grabbed a couple symbols off of there and just stood here and smashed symbols, you would eventually walk out of the room. I hope. (laughs) But if things are said in love, they're okay. I have had the conversations on what I believe in abortion, what I believe about homosexuality, what I believe about anything with many people who disagree with me and we walk away friends. Because truthfully, I know who I am. And I know without Christ, I'm a sinner. And I know how easy it is for me to sin. I know how easy it is for thoughts to come into this place that should not belong. And it's only by God's grace that I get to stand up here. It's only by God's grace that I am a son of God. And sometimes the church, we take things And we magnify them above, beyond what God says. I don't know why we're going to talk about this for a sec, because I didn't do it in the first service. But we talk about homosexuality. The church has blown this thing up. I just want you to know, people that live together outside of marriage is committing sexual sin. So are people that are living in homosexual relationship. 
But I want you to know, as a church, we have accepted and loved the first many times. And if you're here, I don't know it, but we love you. We don't want you to leave. But are you ready? Because if it hasn't already happened, it's going to happen. Are you ready for a homosexual couple to walk in and sit down and love them and accept them the same way? Because it's both sexual sin. Wrap your head around it. Both sexual sin. And the moment they give their heart to the Lord, I'm going to tell you something. They're not going to walk away from the front going, oh, we shouldn't be together anymore. It's going to be a process for them. The same as it is for the, the first couple. And what are we supposed to do? Love. Love. Because I'll tell you the difference in their sin and your sin. Theirs is visible. You hide it better. That's it. Well, no, I don't do that type of sin. Do you think God has a scale? I don't see in the Bible where it says, here's the Ten Commandments, just so you know, these ones rank higher. No. Sin, sin. So if you're in the room in either one of those categories, I want you to know you, fit, you belong here. You're loved here. If somebody tells you not, tell me. This is a place, this is a place where you come to get healed. I've never seen a hospital look at me and say, well, when you stop bleeding, come back. Jesus says he came for the sick. Don't expect them to get well before they walk in here. Because none of us are 100% well. Oh, let's go back to the notes. <laughs> Not even at point one. If you're brand new here, this happens a lot. <laughs> if we want healing in our schools, our government, our cities, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, but we also want it in our families, in our marriages, in our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, then this all starts with us. It all starts with us. And we're going to talk about praying for healing and restoration. And it started back in 2 Chronicles. This is what scripture says. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So if you're following your notes, if you have your handouts, if you have your handouts, can we just throw the house lights on for those that are writing? I know it's small print already, so darkness doesn't really help. And then I can find out who's, uh, you know, Messing up with the whole time change and snoozing. If you're following along, in this verse, I want you to circle, even if in your Bibles, circle the word heal. I will heal their land. Because here's the thing. We're going to walk through a few points on this real quick. The first one is this. This is not a promise for everyone. Oh, no, Chad, the promises of God are for everybody. That's not what it says. The first few words. If my people... If my people, that's not everybody. If my people, and so who are my people? When Jesus, when the Lord's talking, who are my people? Jesus says this in Matthew 12. He says this. While Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother, brother, and, and his brothers waited nearby to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. Jesus asked, who is my family? 
Then pointing to his followers, he said, these people are my family. Anybody who obeys my father in heaven and does his will is my brother and sister and my mother. So we're his family. But now catch this. The family, as Jesus describes it, are the ones who obey my father in heaven and does his will. So it's not just about attending church. See, you can come to church. You can say a prayer once in your life. You can come to church. You can raise your hands. You can give. You can serve. You can do all of those things. But if anybody who obeys my Father in heaven and does his will, that's who it is. That's who it is. Do we obey? Do we? Sometimes, okay, we obey. Great. But do you do his will? Do you do his will? Well, isn't that the same? No, you can kind of follow his rules, but when he asks you to do something, do you do it? Do we follow and obey? Point two is, the scripture verse tells us, for those who are called by my name, called by my name, do we identify with him? Are we confident with walking with him? If we're called by his name, we are set apart. Mark 8 38 says this, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful or immoral generation, I will be ashamed of him when I return in glory with all my angels. There is a big difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. The first time Christians were called Christians, it was more of an insult. Well, who are those guys? Oh, they're the Christians. That's the way it came. Disciples look different. The Bible, you can try to define a Christian, and it's kind of not really there. But you can describe a disciple. First off, the Bible really clearly tells us, talk to the disciples that go into all the world and share the gospel. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you witnessing to people? When was the last time you talked about Jesus with a non-believer? See, for me, you'll see it on our wall out there. We're a bridge to life with Christ, disciples making disciples. If you are not discipling somebody, I would venture to say you're not a disciple. Well, Chad, how do you know somebody's a disciple? They're discipling somebody. Scripture's very clear. Disciples disciple. Yeah, but Chad, I don't really have somebody to pour into right now. Find somebody. Look around the room. I guarantee you everybody in the room wants somebody to pour into them. Doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter how old you are. You still want somebody to speak life into you. You still want somebody to pray with you. You still want somebody to invest in your life. When it comes to being a disciple, who are you more worried about the approval of? Are you more worried about men's approval or God's approval? There's many times as I stand up here and as I share the word of God, especially this first part of this message, it gets a little more encouraging, but this first part, it's hard for me because I look through the room and there's so many people I know and there's so many people I call friends and I look and I go, oh, I wonder, am I being too, like, am I being too direct? But then I have to ask myself this question. If your opinion trumps God's opinion, then I can't do what he's asked me to do. And that makes for some wicked battles in here, trust me. But there's times in your life, do you stand up for God or do you not? If you're ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of you. 
I'll tell you this. How do you know if you're standing up for him? If somebody is talking ill about the church, in general or even Bethel, do you correct them or do you join in or do you stay quiet? You see, staying quiet also means agreement. Because if you're not disagreeing, you're agreeing. And you have to remember this. The church is the bride of Christ. Tell you what, let's sit around the table and you talk ill of my wife. If I don't stand up for her, I'm ashamed of myself. All you have to do, gentlemen, is sit with your wife with a group of people and let those people talk ill of her just a few times, not say anything, and drive home. you will find out very quickly that by not saying anything, you said something. Well, I didn't want to cause tension. I'd rather cause that tension than go home with tension. Right? Like, let's be honest. I don't let anybody t- speak ill of my wife. Why would I let somebody speak ill of God's wife, his bride, the church, The other great thing about this whole verse is there's a premise with the promise, if my people, if my people. Do you realize we want healing in our land? It starts with if my people, if us, if we humble ourselves. So the way we do this, we're going to talk about a few different steps for healing and restoration. The first one is this, to admit that you're not in control. Admit that you are not in control. For all the men in the room, how many of you like asking for help? Just a couple dudes. Oh, three. One of them is from the first service too. So any other men? Just a couple of us, right? Thank you. I like the honesty in the room that most men are like, I'm manly. I'd rather drive around in circles for hours. I'll tell you why I'm okay with asking for help now. I've made enough mistakes in my life. Doing whether it's a home reno or or doing some type of work or even trying to figure out my parenting or trying to figure out my marriage, trying to figure out relationships, trying to figure out leadership, trying to figure out walking my walk with the Lord. The reason I ask for help is because I've messed up enough. Here's the other side of it. I said it already. We're not meant to do this alone. We're not talking to most of the men in the room right now because the Bible tells us that men sharpen men as iron sharpens iron, but we don't talk about Jesus with each other. We talk about sports. We talk about the weather. We talk about cars. We talk about building stuff. We talk about work. When was the last time you had coffee with another guy and talked about Jesus and talked about your walk with the Lord? It's so important. Because it is what's going to last for eternity, not for this short time on earth, which the Bible says is like a mist and it's gone. Guys, find somebody to get poured into. Ladies, you do it way better than us. That's why I'm not really talking to you. But ladies, if you're by yourself, just to let you know, and I mean this in the nicest heart-feeling way, if you feel by yourself, go ask somebody. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go find somebody. And just ask for coffee, ask for tea, ask for 
whatever you do. I'm done at coffee and tea. I, sorry, I'm out. <laughs> but the Bible says this. When, when we are supposed to admit that we are not in control, if my people will humble themselves... Don't approach God arrogantly. Don't approach him demanding things. This hit me just this week as I was preparing for this. There's so many times I go to God and I realize I go demanding things for God. I remind him of how good of a servant I am and that I deserve. And then this week, God reminded me I kind of suck sometimes and that I don't go to him demanding. I go humbly. And I come from a place of reverence to the Lord. See, it's interesting that the Bible never tells us to pray for humility. It tells us to just humble yourself. It's a choice. It's a choice for me to humble myself. It's a choice for me to put you first. It's a choice for me to think of you as better than myself. See, the thing is, is, and I love this quote, and I forget who said it, but being humble is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking less about, or sorry, I messed that up. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. There it is. C.S. Lewis, there it is. I knew it was somebody really good. It started with a C, right? Um, totally joking. Um, <laughs> you guys always get the quirky stuff. Um, We don't have to think we're pathetic. We just have to realize there's other people that are more important. I challenged the first service. I'm going to challenge the second service. Jesus humbled himself so much that he wrapped a towel around himself and he washed the disciples' feet. The disciples knew he was the last person in the room that should ever do it. They argued so much about who should be. And then also when he got up and did it, they were embarrassed. Scripture doesn't say they were embarrassed, but they were like, Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. They were embarrassed because they were so arrogant to figure out who should be the one to do it. I think you're less than me, so you do it. And Jesus got up and did it. So I challenge you. When was the last time you washed somebody's feet? And I'm not being metaphorical. Literally. When was the last time you washed somebody's feet? When was the last time you took a bucket of water, walked up to somebody, knelt down before them, and washed their feet. Husbands in the room, I encourage you to lead from a place of humility to sometime to literally fill up a bowl of water, put a towel over your shoulder, and walk out to wherever your wife is and have her sit down and wash her feet. Because see, when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about how Jesus tells us to lead in, in our home spiritually, the Bible tells us that husbands are supposed to love your wives and wives are supposed to submit and respect your husband. See, the word submit today, whoo! To, to, to state that you're supposed to respect, whoo! But can I promise you something? When the Bible tells husbands to love, if you love the way the Bible says, that you love the way Christ loved his church, which he died for, he laid his life down for. And if you love the way Corinthians talks about what love is patient, it's kind, it's all those things. If you do all of that, men, I don't think there's a lady in the room that would be scared by the word submit. 
I don't think there'd be a lady in the room that would be like, oh, respect. No, natural. See, I am the spiritual head of my home, which was hard to adjust to because when Melissa and I first got married, I worked construction. She was the pastor. So in my house, supposed to be the spiritual home, the spiritual leader. As soon as I step out, no. Reverend Melissa, construction Chad, wasn't insulting. It wasn't anything that, don't hear that. But it was hard in my head to wrap around, well, you're the pastor. How am I supposed to be the spiritual leader? And so this was a struggle. But I've come to learn this as a spiritual leader in my home. If something's not right in my home, it's my responsibility to fix. And I fix it most times, and by most times, all the time, by apologizing. Because no matter what's going on, I had some part of it. No matter what's going on, I'm a part of it. And if I lead from humility and a place of, of submission as well, and I place her first, don't get me wrong, I still lead. But my home is correct, and it comes from a place of humility. So ladies, if your husband today, sometimes this week, decides to wash your feet, please don't respond, oh, you're only doing this because Chad said to. Because what he's doing is he's following not my instructions, he's following biblical instructions. He's approaching you humbly. And if you speak those words, trust me, all he'll hear is disrespect. And he will never do it again. Doesn't matter who told him to. It doesn't matter where he learned it. If he's following biblical principle, love on him. Don't criticize. Humility is a choice. So how does God respond when we're humble? We're going to fly through these points real quick. If I'm humble, God will guide me. Psalms 25.9 says, God leads the humble in the right way and teaches them his will. Two, if I'm humble, God will bless me. Isaiah 66 says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. If you want to find out where he's going to lead you, if you want to find out what his will is for your life, if you want to have him bless your life, humbly approach him. Have a humble heart. If I'm humble, God will give me the power to change. That is how I change. He will give me the power to do it. James 4 says, God oppresses the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Matthew 11 says, take the yoke I give you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and I will restore deep rest in your, to your soul. Paul, can you go back one slide? Sorry, I have point three twice. So if I am humble, God will reveal, relieve my stress. He will relieve your stress if you're humble. He will lift it off of you. I skipped that one because in here they're the same, so I apologize for that. But that's why Matthew 11 says, he'll take, take the yoke I give you and learn from me. Learn from Jesus, for he is gentle and humble, and he will restore deep rest to your soul. That's where we find rest is in him. So going back to the four conditions of healing and restoration, it says, ask God for help. Ask God. If my people 
will pray. He's wanting you to pray. I just want you to know, most of the time when you're praying, you're actually not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. He's waiting for you to pray. He wants us to pray. He wants us to come to him praying for healing. See, praying for healing for me, I don't know why. It's something that's simple for me. It doesn't scare me. I will pray for healing anywhere, any place. doesn't matter. I will pray for healing. My faith level in healing is high. There's other areas of my life where it's not. Don't get me wrong. There's areas of my spiritual journey that my faith level, I'm working on it, and I need to lift it up. But in the place of healing that we're talking about, there's one thing I learned. I don't take the credit, and I don't take the blame. I just pray. I just pray and trust God. And for me, it's that simple. I just encourage you, step out, try it. Keep asking. God wants you to ask. When you're praying for healing, there's a few little tips John uh, 16 says this, I tell you the truth, my father will give you anything you ask for in my name until you have not, or until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive so that your joy will be the fullest possible joy. Is it not kind of neat that there's joy and then he says ask for it and it'll be the full possible joy? I don't know about you, but I like joy. I'd love to have the fullest possible joy. Little tips from this verse. Remember, Jesus wants you to ask. He wants you to ask him. He believes that if you're praying, you're trusting him. If you're not praying for it, you're not really trusting him. If you think, well, I can work it out on my own, get him involved. Ask in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, begin to declare things. When you're praying over something, don't just at the very end of your prayer say, in Jesus' name. Pray it throughout the prayer. When you need something, speak to it. I believe when you pray for healing, speak to what it is. If it's your knee, speak to your knee and say, knee, be healed. So many times I don't hear Jesus praying for healing. I see him looking at people and saying, get up. Get up. So don't, you don't, I had a mentor tell me as I was walking through some praying or healing stuff. A mentor told me, he goes, when we pray long prayers for healing, it's because we doubt God and we feel bad for the person. If we believe in God's power, Jesus, very short. I pray just like myself, short. It's true. It's easier to take the joke away from people. You make fun of yourself, less people make fun of you, right? It's easier that way. Remember, he wants you to ask, ask in his name. And just let's be very clear as we do this. It doesn't say that you get everything. It says ask for anything. Okay, you can ask for anything. It doesn't say you'll get everything. So when I pray, just want you to know, I've prayed, my, I've prayed for um, vehicles. I have a little bit of faith in that because I've gotten four in my lifetime. And one of the last ones I got, I'll be completely honest, Melissa thought I was a little nuts because we would drive by places and I would be like, that one right there, Lord. And I was being very specific and God gave it to me. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. Realize, now, that was one. Some of the other ones I've been given, God bless the people that gave them to me, but some of them aren't that much to cheer about, but they got me from point A to point B. And so we pray. Pray for anything. If you need something, Pray. But now I'll encourage you, if you're praying for something like that, don't just be like, God's just going to bless me and spend your money anywhere. Sometimes by praying for it, he will give you a great deal on something. So also do your part. Save your money. Now, um, that said, pray for everything or pray for anything, but it doesn't mean you'll get everything. 
Because just so you're aware, some of you know this, you've been attending it for a while. I still don't have a Harley. I'm praying for a Harley. So if you want to take some time and pray and fast with me, that would be wonderful. Spring is coming. I think a Harley would be great. I'm built for a Harley. I think not Harland, Harley. Okay, just clarifying. See them all talking over there. Not Harland, Harley. Get people to pray with you. Get people to pray with you. You're not supposed to do this on your own. Get them to pray with you. James 5 says, is any of you in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. When God answers your prayer, praise him, give testimony, celebrate what he's done. If anyone is feeling of you, sorry, if any of you is sick, he should call for the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise him up. If he, is, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So get other people around you to pray. I know the scripture says call the elders. It doesn't have to be the elders. It has to be a believer. Get a couple people over to your place to pray over you. Anoint you with oil. It can be vegetable oil. It doesn't have to be something special. If somebody's trying to sell you something on TV with this special oil, I guarantee you it's vegetable oil with some senses thrown in it. Just pray. Anoint them with oil and pray. Uh, point four, believe and expect the answer. Pray by faith. If you're praying not believing, it won't happen. This is why you see me when we're praying for healing and I ask you to extend your hands in prayer to extend your hands and you'll hear me say this. If you don't believe, please, please don't pray. Because if you don't believe, it's not going to help. I believe it actually is going to hinder. So that's why I say to you, if you don't believe, Please don't pray. That's why I believe in the Bible. When, when Jesus took the one blind man and walked him out of the city to pray for him, it was because there was so much unbelief. Jesus was getting him away from it. And he prayed for him, and he asked the man, he said, how can you see? And he said, I see people walking around like trees. People understand that as trees are a little bit, like, bushy. So it wasn't afros or anything like that. It was, his sight was fuzzy. His sight was still blurry. And so Jesus, what did Jesus do? He prayed again, and then the person was healed. Tell you what, if Jesus has to pray twice, I'm good with praying multiple times. If the Son of God had to pray twice, I'm good for praying 200 times. I'm going to pray till I see it happen. James 5, 15, we read it. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will, sins will be forgiven. Point five, keep on praying till God tells you to stop. If he has not told you that it's not his will, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't stop. Keep praying at all times, seeking him. Going back to the um, praying for healing and restoration, seek God, not a miracle. Seek God, not a miracle. Too often we only pray for a miracle and we don't pray for God's heart. We don't seek his face. We only seek his hand. He wants you to feel his heart. He wants you to seek him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't just want to be there to just give you stuff. He wants you to draw close to him. Seek him, his whole face. I believe every one of you in this room want to get close to God, want to seek him. But when you seek his face, it's more work. It's a little bit more of an effort. Proverbs tells us this in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 17. I love those who love me, 
And those who seek me, find me. Hebrews 11.6 says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. Those who are seeking, this isn't a casual pastime. This is not a Sunday morning one and done. This is a weekly thing. This is a daily thing, spending time with him. You've heard me relate many times the difference between a professional athlete and an amateur athlete is the hours of practice, the hours of working in it. This week I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw Eric Holmster, uh, Holmes, whatever his last name is, he plays for the Padres now. It tells us that by the time he hit high school, so by the time he hit grade nine, he was practicing baseball seven hours a day. And he's a professional ball player now. I'm not telling you to let your kids practice for seven hours a day, although the guy signed a pretty good contract. Um, just teasing, just joking. But what if he spent seven hours a day seeking God? Now, before you agree too much with that, what if you spent seven hours a day seeking God? What if you spent 70 minutes a day? Chad, that's over. Carry the one. That's over an hour. Yeah. What if you thought of tithing beyond finances and thought time? What if every day you spent two hours and 40 minutes with the Lord? It's 24 hours in a day, 10%, two hours, 40 minutes. What if? What if? One of my mentors, Mark Griffin, he said to me, he said, Chad, if you learn to speak, if you speak in a language for at least an hour every day, you should be able to eventually move there and live there. What if you spoke in tongues for an hour every day? You begin to hear the voice of God differently. If you spent time, more time with God, so many of us want a deeper relationship with God, but we don't spend the time with him. So what does God want from us? He just wants us to seek him. Psalms 14 says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if there is even one with a real understanding, one who seeks for God, not for things from him, but seeks him. See, when we seek him, God will go overboard for those people that find him, who put him first. Matthew 6, the very first verse I ever memorized as a kid. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other things will be given to you as well. If you seek him first, all the other stuff just falls into place. Just falls into place. So point four, final point. Turn your... Turn my attention from the world, or from the, yeah, from the world to the word. We talked earlier, Pastor Charles did a great job praying for our leaders, but we expect them to change when so many of us think the same way. You might not know it as we see politicians falling and we see celebrities falling and making all these mistakes, but there's church leaders across the globe doing the same thing. How can I expect my non-Christian neighbor to live at a level that I don't live at. As a church, we need to remove the plank from our eyes before we try to remove a speck from somebody else's eye. And you can be like, oh, Chad, they got a pretty big plank in theirs too. So do we. 
if we only think criticism. Wrap your head around this. The Bible tells us that all authority is placed there by God. All. All. Well, I don't know about this. All. If you do a word search on all and find its root meaning, it means all. (laughs) Every one of them. We may disagree with the leadership we have in Canada, but I will tell you one thing it's done. It has woken the church up. We are talking and thinking about things we never talked about before. We're praying in a way we never prayed before. There's more unity across denominations than there ever was before because of the shaking that's happened. It woke the church up. Yeah, but Chad, do you think all, all authority? I've worked for bosses. I've had people over my life. Trust me. Like, really, all? All. And he uses it for his glory. I don't know about Chad. You may never see it. Abraham was promised to be a father of nations. He never saw it, but it came true. So God is in control. How can we expect them when we don't? How do we, how do we expect society to live at a level that we don't live at? I like social media. I like being able to keep track of people. I like to be able to follow people. I like to be able to stay in touch with people. But what some, what some Christians put on there, I think God's embarrassed. I think God looks and goes, oh, I would never say that. That's not my heart. One of my friends, he posted on Facebook a long time ago, and I haven't seen him in years. We went to high school together, and, and he threw out this comment. He said, if money is so evil, why does the church always ask for it? And I read it, and I'm like, oh, I stay out of all this stuff. But I felt a prompting to respond. And so I responded, and normally I would do a private message, but I posted it on, on his page, and I just said, I'm like, since I'm the one that normally asks for it, I think I should clarify for you. Money is not evil. The root of, or the love of money is evil. And so that's for Christians, too. If you know a Christian that has a lot of money, it's not bad. It's if they love it more than God, then it's bad. Just the same as anything. What happened was it because I responded in a loving way, I didn't say, hey, idiot, that's not what it says. This is what it says. He started private messaging me. Started leading to a long conversation, led to a phone call to somebody I hadn't talked to in like 20 years. And you might know I shared back in the fall, a friend of mine died in a motorcycle accident, kind of shook everything back home. He was an incredible guy, not a believer, but an incredible guy. And it shook everybody. I didn't realize my two friends, the one who died and this guy, not only did they work together, but they rode in the same truck every day together. So my buddy was going through horrible time. And so we had a conversation on the phone, which my kids were in the room, so I turned it way down because... He was using some choice words. And I told him, he was talking about God. And he has had so much lost in his life. And I just talked to him. I said, buddy, you don't have to apologize for what you're saying. God knows your heart. He knows you're hurting. And I tried to share Jesus with him. I tried to share love with him. 
because I responded in love, he was open to hearing other things. When we want to see healing happen in our own lives or in our own land, don't get me wrong, let me be very clear. I mess up all the time. I'm sharing a personal illustration so you, you understand that I don't try to just say it up here. I try to live it. But if we humble ourselves and we for, ask for forgiveness, he will heal our land. But we need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to turn from the way we criticize. We need to turn from the way we judge. Non-believers will talk to me about how much church people will criticize and rip apart other church people. And they want nothing to do with it. Because they can go to a bar, sit on a stool, be heard, be encouraged, and feel family and go home. They should be able to walk in these doors, sit down, and feel the love of Jesus. Hear us talk positively about things, about people, about each other, about the house of the Lord. If we confess our sins, admit that we need others. You need people in your life. You need people to pray with you. That's how we get through tough times. Don't surround yourself with people that will like encourage you in your negativity. Surround yourself with people who will encourage you in living a life drawn to Jesus that will help you push through. So if we confess our sins, we get people around us, we will see healing happen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your heart. I thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. And that, Lord, I pray that so many of us begin to seek your face, to seek your heart, not your hand. That, Lord, so many of us want this, to see healing happen and restoration and relationships and, and different areas of our lives, to see Canada healed, that in Jesus' name, we take the first step. We seek your face, we seek your heart, that we confess that we're not perfect, that we draw people around us, that we walk this life together, we encourage one another, we support one another. Uh, wives brag about their husbands, husbands brag about their wives, kids brag about their parents, parents brag about their kids, that Father, we brag about your house, we brag about you, we stand up for you, we just repent of the times we haven't, and that Father, we love you and we follow you for the rest of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us that strength and that ability to, to pray and to seek your face and to draw close to you. And, Lord, guide us. Let us be that example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, he makes this comment. He said, everybody that he deals with is in crisis. He said, um, either they're in the middle of a crisis or they're just coming out of a crisis, or they're just getting ready to go into a crisis. And I would think that's pretty similar to us this morning. And we've heard a, some really good teaching today about seeking God's face and, and, and the role that we have as people. So this morning, with everybody's head still bowed and eye closed, today you're here and say, Pastor, I, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to know how to pray here before we go. You say, Pastor, I am in the middle of a crisis. I know this morning we woke up, uh, Gracie and I, and we got a crisis going on in our family, so, so I, can, I can relate. But you're here this morning saying, 
Pastor, I, I'm in a crisis right now. Just raise your hand and put it back down so I can know. Yeah, okay, yeah. Keep, just keep it up so I can know how to pray, yeah. Yeah, okay, good, good. I just, I just want to know how to pray. Okay, uh, how many would say, um, Pastor, I, I think I'm getting ready to go into a crisis. Just, just raise your hand. Yeah, 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 okay. Okay, this is so important. Just, just honor this moment. And, and you maybe some of you are here saying, well, I just came out of a crisis. See, the, the bottom line is here that I can, I can guarantee, I can guarantee it for all of us here that you are either coming out of a crisis or you're in a crisis or you're about to go into one because it's in the crisis that we learn how to seek his face. It is in the crisis that God is able to do things in our lives. Yeah, it strengthens our faith and we can see the impossible happen, but there are things that are going on. And so this morning, as, as people have acknowledged the crisis that they are in, in just a moment, we're going to dismiss and we'll give you the opportunity to get prayed for. But I want to pray for you right now. Lord, thank you today. Thank you for the promise that you give to us. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have. And Lord, in the midst of everything that's going on, we even heard our pastor say about what's going on in politically and how it's awakening the church. A crisis does that to us. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you for what you are doing. And we thank you for the reliability that we have in you. And we thank you that our confidence is based on your faithfulness. And so, Lord, I want to thank you today for the way that you're showing up. You're coming alongside everyone that raised their hand, including mine, says that I'm there with you. I am there in the middle of the storm. And so, Lord, we're thanking you for coming and for answering our prayers and giving solutions and doing things that nobody else can do. So, Lord, we ask that you seal this message to all of our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there are three promises that are yet to be articulated. Get your notes out here. They are. Number one, I will. This is God's promise to you and I. Number one, I will hear from heaven if my people who are called by my name. Number two, I will forgive your sins. And number three, I will heal your land. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Lord, send these people out in your name and with the hope that only you can give. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. Hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 